Welcome to C3 Church Central Coast Sermon Cast. We pray that you'll be inspired and impacted by this message and trust that you're better equipped to live your best life. All right, Matthew chapter 1, if you have a Bible. Uh, and I want to look at verse 18, reading down to verse 25. And it says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage could take place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man. And he didn't want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins, because Jesus means Savior. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. And he did not have any sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. (laughs) Now, I want you to think today about your life being an adventure, because that is how God sees it. And that is how God wants you to see it. And I want you to begin by noticing one person's life adventure from this passage, and he's not talked about a lot at Christmas time. And I'm talking uh, and thinking about Joseph. We don't know too much about him. We do know that from Scripture, we're told he had a royal heritage. He was actually in the lineage of King David himself. But beyond that, he was actually a humble carpenter. So he wasn't in a royal position; just had the heritage. We're also told right here in this passage that he was a good man, and that's pretty much it. Well, we also know that he had an adventure, <laughs> and his adventure was was just beginning. We, we don't know if he really expected to have an adventurous kind of life, but when the angel showed up, things started to get rather interesting, didn't they? In fact, even before the angel showed up, just consider Joseph's life when he's engaged to be married to this beautiful young girl, and Mary knocks on his door one day and says, Joseph, I hope you're sitting down. I've got something to tell you. I'm pregnant. Now, you know, that's pretty full on. And, and the, the angel fortunately helped counter that kind of news because it's all coming to him, not just from Mary, but that's, you know, they hadn't had relations. And uh, so that's pretty full on. Uh, in fact, I just heard, incidentally, you know, Douglas Mawson, the famous uh, explorer to Antarctica, when he left his fiancée in England, he was not going to be back for two years. This is a true story. It's well documented, and she wrote about it. She wrote to him after they had said goodbyes. They said their goodbyes with a rather passionate kiss, but only a kiss. And then she, in her innocence, wrote about her concerns that she may be pregnant because of the kiss. So that's 100 years ago and how things have changed. Um, but anyway, you know, here's Joseph, uh, 
you know, getting the news from Mary, but fortunately also having the news from the angel and appearing to him saying, well, you know, Mary's going to have this baby and don't worry. And it's, you know, it's a special situation. Um, and, and so he, he's, you know, had, had thought that he would perhaps have to divorce or, or separate from her uh, to save face and to save her uh, disgrace. Uh, so he would have gone through a lot of turmoil, but once he had heard from God, I want you to note how he just says, okay. He just says yes to God. And if you're taking notes, that's a good point to start. Say yes to God. <laughs> you know, you want to live a successful life? Say yes to God. Say, okay. Say, all right, God. Obey whatever God says to do. Uh, and things will go well for us. And, and it did for Joseph in a, in, a, in an adventurous kind of way because, um, you know, he, he may not have wanted to go down that track of going ahead with the wedding, but God says to do so. The angel says, take her and go for it and marry her. And so, so he does. And, um, and of course, when you obey God, it leads you on this adventurous kind of lifestyle. Uh, and if you look where it led Joseph, of course, they went to Bethlehem because the census said he had to go back to the, the birth of his family, and that was going way back to King David. But then they had to um, take off to Egypt. But beyond the physical, and then they came back and settled in, in Nazareth. But beyond the physical geographical adventure, he was on a wild ride uh, because of how God had blessed his family. I mean, he was involved in raising, you know, Jesus, the, the Son of God. He played a key supportive role uh, right through to Jesus being released into ministry, which didn't happen until Jesus was about 30. So that would place Joseph close to or in his 50s. So there's quite a segment of his life where he's watching Jesus grow up, which you've got to admit would be pretty interesting because Jesus is perfect, so he would have done pretty well at school. So school speech nights, you know, top of maths, Top of English, Hebrew, top of, uh, you know, and there's Joseph thinking, wow, you know, want to play soccer, Joseph's local soccer team, think he's going to be a pretty good soccer player. And there's Joseph on the side watching this all happen. Um, Of course, he was also a father uh, to a bunch of other less perfect children that came along after Jesus because after uh, Jesus, uh, Joseph and Mary had more children. And that's uh, documented in Scripture. We know from Matthew 13 that they had at least two girls because they mentioned girls in in plural. And he also had at least four more boys, James, Joseph, Simon and Judas. So he's a father, uh, you know, naturally to six children and also raising Jesus. So he had a, uh, and of course, parents, you know, raising more than one or more children is an adventure in itself. Um, And... Although his role in the gospel accounts is very much a behind-the-scenes one, you can be sure that it was a very challenging and exciting life because, you know, he shared the uh, excitement of seeing Jesus released into ministry to see who he really was as the Son of God and then the tragedy of seeing Jesus die on the cross but then followed by the amazement of the supernatural resurrection of Jesus and then seeing him go off to heaven. Thinking, wow, there goes my boy. Well, it's not my boy. No, there goes Jesus, you know, God's boy. And seeing that whole development. And then, of course, with his own kids, he saw how they had to accept who 
their brother was, or half-brother technically, if you like. Um, for instance, James, it appears, hadn't really been an early follower of Jesus, but ends up becoming one of, if not the key leader of the church in Jerusalem and writes the book of James later that is one of the early gospel accounts. It's possible that Joseph was still around to see that book sent out, that letter, I should say, sent out that became part of the canon of Scripture, a book in the Bible. What I want you to think about today, though, is that any life in God, if you're following God, if you're obeying God, is a, is a wonderful adventure. And you get to decide what kind of life you have. You can go your way and that may look like it's, you know, an exciting adventure. But the most exciting adventure is to say, I will go God's way. I will obey God and I will follow God. And that's what Joseph did. And uh, I liked uh, what Eleanor and Caleb did at the wedding. Do you remember uh, Choose Your Own Adventure books? Uh, they came out when I first started teaching, I think in the early 80s. And uh, the kids loved them at the time. I loved telling them, uh, using them in classrooms at the time. And uh, I thought they were quite cool. You read the story and they said, you, you have a choice. We open this door or that door. I'll open that door. And you turn the page, turn to page 45. <gasps> You've opened the door and fallen into the chasm of death, the end. Oh, no, you know. But if you chose the other one, aha, you live to tell another tale and off you go. And, you you know, the different endings and it's all... Uh, well, uh, Eleanor and Caleb wrote little notes to all their um, reception guests saying, thank you for sharing the beginning of our adventure. Here is little adventure for you, you know. Um, and uh, I think people were blessed. I know one friend was particularly blessed because he always wanted to be a ninja. And you grew up with this guy uh, and uh, it was his career choice. He ended up being a pastor, but, you know, uh, you know, he, he wanted to be a ninja. And, uh, sorry, pretty close, pretty similar. Uh, but he got given, coincidentally, uh, Adventures of the Secret Ninja or something, you know, and so it was about ninjas. He was very chill. Um, but the fact is we do get to choose our own adventure. And you, and look, some people are very adventurous, naturally adventurous, and, and others might think, well, I'm not really an adventurous type. And history shows some very, very adventurous kind of people. For example, a hundred years ago, this week, just gone, on Wednesday, mankind first walked onto the South Pole. Rolled in Amundsen, Amundsen, the Norwegian. He became the first person to reach the South Pole. Uh, and it was an amazing adventure. It involved years of uh, meticulous planning, endurance against the elements, bravery to go out into the, the unknown. Uh, and, of course, he returned to Norway a national hero. But not all adventures and adventurers finish that way because even better known than him is a guy called Robert Scott who was in the Antarctic at the same time but when he reached the South Pole, he was a month late and he arrived there to find the Norwegian flag stuck on the South Pole. And he wrote in his diary, it is a terrible disappointment. This is an awful place and terrible for us to have laboured to it without reward. And then he wrote, all the daydreams must go. It will be a wearisome return. And that profound disappointment may have been partly to blame for his fate because he died on the way back and never made it back. He, he, his, he, he faced, his party um, faced 
incredible hardship, uh, and he and his two remaining companions died only 18 or 16, 18 kilometres short of a, a supply depot that they had set up. And earlier this year, I visited the Powerhouse Museum because I had an interest in these sort of people over the years, seeing and following adventures and adventurers, and they had a, um, a display that had some of... They had extracts from his diary and artefacts because they've got the, the hut that he uh, worked from, the base hut, preserved down there in the Antarctic. And at this exhibition, um, I read some of the diary extracts, and he wrote this in his last days, in the tent, dying. He wrote, For four days now we've been unable to leave the tent, the gale howling about us. We are weak, and writing, and writing now is difficult. But for my own sake, I do not regret this journey. And he had such a classic stiff, you know, what the English stiff upper lip. He said this, we took risks. We knew we took them. Things have come out against us and therefore we have no cause for complaint. And then finally he wrote this, had we lived, I should have had a tale to tell of the hardihood, endurance and courage of my companions, which would have stirred the heart of every Englishman. These rough notes and our dead bodies must tell the tale. The last words he wrote. So it's a tragedy and it shows the risks that extreme adventures and adventurers take and how things don't always work out the way people plan for them. However, the Christian life, although it's an adventure fraught with challenges and dangers and suffering and hardship in a similar way, has God's promise of eventual and eternal victory. Because unlike Scott, you will reach your destination if you don't give up. Because you've got divine assistance. And God will help you get to where you're meant to get to. And in a sense, Scott lost in in a very real sense. But as long as he knew Jesus, he didn't lose everything. He didn't lose the the major prize to be gained in life, and that is eternal life. And he had every opportunity to get right with God. Those last few days in that tent, an Englishman in his team had probably been to Sunday school and gone to church services and Christian things were very publicly uh, you know, promoted in those days. And I'm sure they had every opportunity to reflect on the Scriptures. However, they may have been beforehand they would have been able to get close to God right at the end. And in a sense, he would have then gained the greatest goal. Uh, and he would have gone to eternity, of course, trying to achieve a great goal. And in fact, he did achieve some great scientific achievements. They've got um, the uh, research that he left behind at their base. The fact is we're unlikely to die physically for pursuing our dreams these days, but we should share that steely, steady conviction that I would die for a cause if the cause is Christ. And some people are doing that around the world. Talk to John Harris. He'll tell you he keeps in touch with, uh, you know, he's always praying. We have a prayer meeting. John will pray for the people who are being persecuted because he's in touch with some of these ministries that follow people in countries where uh, extreme uh, Islam is oppressing, uh, you know, any Christian proselytizing or conversion. Uh, and in some parts, it used to be under the communist regimes, uh, still in China, uh, it, it occurs uh, in, you know, in some Nations, people are oppressed and die for their faith. And as I said, you and I probably won't have that opportunity to use the gift of martyrdom, but, but would you step 
down the track so far in God to, to you know, to, to lay it all down like that. Um, the fact is a, a journey, a great journey and a great adventure isn't just based on geography. These guys travelled physically um, and you can travel for fun. Oh, that's cool. Travel, you know, physically around. Nothing wrong with that. Um, I, in fact, I think the best travel you can do is when you're coupling it with serving God, like the Matthews experienced in their missionary endeavours in the Middle East, like Dan and Jen will have uh, in Thailand. In fact, we'll have a team that we'll send at some stage to support the work they're, they're doing, uh, maybe a year from next month, maybe January early 2013 perhaps would be a good time. Um, and you may, if you haven't already, go on one of these short-term mission trips and experience an adventure in God in that physical sense. But even if you're traveling with that or you're traveling for fun, for a break, the best journeying and adventuring is really just in obeying God. And that may involve doing some pretty mundane things because um, it's still God's will for us to do everyday stuff. It could be housework. Woo-hoo. It could be raising the children, uh, going to work, studying. You know, these don't sound like amazing adventures, but they can be because the best thrills in life come from serving God, from walking with Jesus, from following God. You can travel, you can do some exciting things, but without God, it's, it's a thrill a minute and it's gone like that and there's an emptiness waiting. But you get a sense of satisfaction when you're walking with God, even if it is doing some pretty regular stuff. There's great value uh, and satisfaction in, in being settled in a place in life, in working hard, building a career, building a family, building a home. And that takes time and it takes regularity, doing the same kind of things. You know, when you read biographies of famous people, famous adventures, and life, it's all very exciting, but they're all the highlights. If you could read about every moment of their life, it wouldn't be that exciting. You know, pop star, movie star, adventurer, explorer, whatever. You know, well, if you read a diary of every single thing they did, you'd think, wow, that's not that much different to my life. They still had to clean their teeth and find that missing sock and put out the garbage and, you know, feed the dogs and chase the dogs because they've got out because somebody left the gate open, but don't mention that because so what if your son-in-law doesn't know about the dogs and the neighbors and all that but oh what have i said oh anyway you know and all the little things that go on in life uh you know that's everybody has to do them and you can take a joy in that and um and you or you can be frustrated and say oh no i gotta change i gotta you know get something new and change you know but you don't need to change your circumstances to change your life to have a better life Listen to what Ecclesiastes 3.22 says. It says, there's nothing better in life than for a man to enjoy his work. There's a challenge for you. As you launch into the new year, you don't even need to have a new job. I mean, you might get a new job and go for it and develop your skills and, and go for that promotion or change your career if you need to and all that. But there's a joy you can get a hold of in doing your regular work. You know, And so if you're feeling like, your life isn't full of adventure, then I want to encourage you, over these holidays, take some time to seek God and let Him rekindle a fire that you can have for living for Him, that you can carry in everyday life. You know, the people that are on fire, that are full of life, it's not just on the circumstances that they're into. They're on fire all the time. 
everyday business. They're not just, oh, I'm excited because I just came back from a great holiday. They're excited because they're full of joy. Some people naturally and Christians certainly should be supernaturally in that we've got the Holy Spirit living in us. And it's like, wow, you know. I knew a girl uh, back in our church in Sydney years ago, and she used to greet me all the time with, have you ever seen the day look so bright? That was her greeting. And she'd say it wide-eyed. Have you ever seen the day look so bright? I'd be like, hello, what? No, yeah, yes, never. It was a bit like the, it was like the country. It was, it was her bubbly Christian version of those country blokes that say, what do you know? I always struggled with that, you know? Put the hand out there and, you, and be like, ah, you know, these guys used to carrying eight bales of hay. like and they, Because I had rallies out in the country and they'd shake your hand and be like, quick, get the hand in before he breaks it, you know, and then you've got to look like it doesn't hurt. <laughs> Good night, Uncle Chicka, you know, and uh, um, I don't know what his real name was. I had an Uncle Chicka. What, Uncle Chicka, you know. Good night, Uncle Chicka, yeah. Ah, what do you know? Anyway, and you, how do you answer that? Hi. Not much, I don't know. Lots, little, yeah. You know, what, what do you know? It's a classic, isn't it? Sorry, I'm getting off track. Um, uh, so, come on. Um, the, th- the, the, the fact is, you can have the, the joy of the Lord is your strength, is inside you. It can, you know, life can be an adventure. No matter what you do, it's how you do it. You don't need a new car a new gadget, a new partner, a new house, a new holiday. You don't need anything but a new touch. And these holidays, you make sure you take some time in amongst, you know, all the family and festivities. and Take some time to just get before God and say, God, refresh me, strengthen me, touch me. And, you know, some people get worn out in life. A lot of blokes my age, middle-aged blokes, it's sad. 30-year school reunion a year or so ago. I go back there. It's like, wow. I, I look in the wrinkles and the grey, and I see an 18-year-old kid sort of, oh, I remember you, but Flip, you look sad now, you know, it's a joyful kid. And, uh, and it shouldn't be that way. And then I meet other people who are still following the Lord in their 70s and their 80s, and full of, you know, Adrian Gray. We'll get back, him back here in March. In his 60s, he's like an 18-year-old, you know, full of energy. It's threatening. So it's exciting. It's great. So listen to this. Isaiah 40, you've heard this before. God gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even young people grow tired and weary. (laughs) Reckon, try and wake them up at 7 in the morning. And young men stumble and fall and, and, and break their feet on BMX bikes. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. Praise the Lord. Claim that. They will walk and not be faint. <laughs> they will run and not grow weary. That was my mantra uh, when you know doing a long run once. Um, so listen to that. Did you hear that? Everyone gets tired, but if you wait on the Lord, he'll renew your strength. So do you need your strength to be renewed to serve the Lord? Have you grown tired and weary in your walk with Christ? And if you have, then you turn to him and be refreshed and renewed because we should be growing stronger and sweeter, better 
and bolder and braver and more adventurous. One more passage, Psalm 84 says, we can go from strength to strength. And listen what Charles Spurgeon commented on, on that phrase in Psalm 84. He said, usually if we are walking, we go from strength to weakness. We start fresh and in good order for our journey, but by and by the road is rough and the sun is hot. We sit down by the wayside and then again painfully pursue our weary way. But the Christian pilgrim, having obtained fresh supplies of grace, is as vigorous after years of toilsome travel and struggle as when he first set out. He's fresh because he has fresh supplies of grace. And so... Your life, as you finish this year and prepare for a new year, can be an adventure. And it's not dependent on changing your circumstances. It's just having a change of heart and getting fresh supplies of grace. Amen? And being refreshed in God. And so I want you to take that and take a hold of your life, whatever it may be, and not think, oh, no, another year I'm doing this again or that. It's like that's a God-given opportunity. You live in the best country in the world. It's, you know, we've got opportunities to minister to people, to be in a loving fellowship of other believers that aren't perfect, but that's good for you. And, uh, you know, get to know and work with others and believe for other people. Come on, it's going to be very exciting uh, next year. And, and before we even get there, we've got Christmas. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let's pray. We hope you have enjoyed this message and feel challenged and encouraged. Please let others know about this free podcast so they too can grow and learn to live their best life. You can find out more about our church and ministries at www.c3cc.org.au. God bless you.